the North Shore Vineyard Church audio podcast. I'm Crispin Schroeder. Hey, today on the podcast, we have a special guest speaker from our service on September 9th, a guy by the name of Scotty Meads, a good friend of mine from way back. Scotty's been a missionary in various parts of the world, India, Thailand, Cyprus. Currently, he works with churches, training them on ways to minister across cultures and missions, both abroad and in America. You're in for a real treat on this message. Uh, this is a message where Scotty's talking about ways that we can release people to know Jesus. So, let's head over to North Shore Vineyard Church, downtown Covington. Thanks for listening. Today I'm speaking on North Shore Vineyard. Yeah. Hope you don't mind. I got to get down here because I like to move around. And that little thing, I would, you know, y'all don't want to take video and put it on America's Funny Videos. So I'm not going to give you that opportunity to laugh at me too much. Wait a second. Now wait, if I get hurt, I get the money. It goes the other way around. Yeah. Nice. Hey, it's nice to see y'all. Well, thank you. Well, I got the response section here. (laughs) Right in front of me. It is great to see y'all. My wife, Heather, our youngest son, Will. And I need to get some logistics out of the way because I usually forget them all the time. Uh, My wife gets on to me, which that's what a wife's supposed to do, right? She's supposed to give the husband direction. And so I've been directed and... (laughs) Yeah, we're from this organization called Youth with a Mission, and we've been in missions for 25 years, uh, doing a plethora of all different types of things, and from uh, training to music and this and that, and I'll tell you some of that about it. Hope that's all right. I'm, uh, actually, I'm from, y'all know where Pumpkin Center is? Anybody know that? Yeah. The fine state of Pumpkin Center? Went to Punchatula, barely graduated from there <laughs> with the rest of the barely graduates and uh, made it out, you know, safe and sound. And, uh, you know, it's one of these relationships, you know, the city girl meets the handsome young uh, swamp billy guy, <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> Just couldn't help herself. No, I use drugs, and so <laughs> afterwards she's like, what happened? Who are you? I'm like, what happens in Punchatula stays in Punchatula. You know what I mean? Yeah. Okay, we can't have all this fun. We got to get down to, you know, like uh, spiritual business stuff. So here we go. Uh, so we got some uh, information back there, and as I talk about stuff, it might interest you. So we have like a, a list of people that we uh, communicate with. And we collect more and more wonderful, fabulous people as we go. And so if you'd like to sign up to receive any information, and uh, because of the, some of the sensitive work we do, people uh, even take our photographs, you know. And I've got uh, how many of the five of us in the picture? So don't worry about my picture. There's four other lovely people to offset it, okay? <laughs> uh, so there's information back there on some... Some table. Where was that? Right She's pointing right there. Oh, Chris. Ah, there he is. The lovely Vanna White. <laughs> there you go. Well, wonderful. Well, we have been. Hey, what? Come on now. Oh, you got to do a little something on it? All right. It's locked. We've been working with people of all different cultures and ethnic groups uh, for a long time. And it's, uh, you know, it's interesting being from Pumpkin Center and working with other ethnic groups. Yeah. You know, because kind of, oh, thank you, response team. And uh, <laughs> because sometimes I feel like a different ethnic group. You know what I mean? And... Uh, 
Thank you. Thank you. You mean we are? We is. Good. That's compound unity if you don't understand. Southern, you know, we is. You know, it's kind of like God. Three and one, we all one. We is. Thank you. Everything's biblical that I say. Just so you know, it's in the Bible somewhere. Especially in my Bible. You know, I've had this Bible cover for probably 25 years. And it's one of my favorite Bible covers because Garfield's on the front. You know, and I love Garfield, you know, because of spiritual reasons. Because he loved lasagna. And lasagna's spiritual. You know what I mean? So that's where me and him connected a long time ago. So working with different ethnic groups and stuff. Uh, God, I mean, we started in about 1987, 1988. And we ended up moving to India in 1997. Went to do community development work in the capital city. There was 14 million people living there. So, hey, that's a lot of folks. Hmm? It's a lot more people than I was used to being around. And uh, we got, kind of got used to it. Uh, our little community where we lived in the city had two million people. And they was all in the area of about Covington. <laughs> Everybody kind of lived on top of each other. And we, we lived right on top. We was on the fourth floor of our little complex. And, uh, you know, it was just it was interesting seeing how we had to learn how to connect with people that were different than us. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Connecting with people that are different than who we are. And uh, having to find out what is it biblically, what is God's heart for people who are different than I am? Hmm? What is God's heart for people like that? And and so we started doing community development work, and we started working, and, uh, and we had crews of people working in the streets with the dying and the destitute. There was 14 million people there. There was a million people that actually lived in the streets. And, and they were literally, some of them were, they would just die off in the streets, like die there because nobody would help them. And so we had people that we trained in primary health care, and they would go out, and we would go out and help people try to revive people literally back to life. And through that, we started a house for HIV-positive children because kids, you know, HIV was like, you know, freaks people out. You know, and they're like, we don't want to touch these kids and stuff. So they were like kids who were just left to fend for themselves. And so we started working with those kind of kids, kids who were uh, street, on the streets, disabled children, and helping kids like that. And we, I mean, just had a great time doing after-school programs and stuff like that in, in very poor, poor, poor areas. And, you know, I learned what poor is. <laughs> uh Poor is not when you can't afford the HBO. No. Come on now. Woo. Don't get me started now. <laughs> you know, poor is poor. It's people don't have something. When they don't have their little bit of rice that they're used to eating, they don't have it. You know, that's what people are poor. And started working with people in poverty to try to help develop stuff in their communities and through that something happened and because when you go somewhere to help people and you're representing uh the creator of all things you know what i mean you're creator so you're representing that and something happens people kind of get interested in why you're there they're like why, why are you here our government doesn't help us our neighbors won't help us why are you here and we're like oh yeah you know because we like believe in this thing that God created the earth and he, he, you know, has a mandate on us that we should help people and stuff like that. And they were like, really? Like, there's a God like that? None of our gods are like that. We have to like pay them off. You know what I mean? These are Hindu people. We got to pay them off so they don't kill us and make everything worse all the time. And so what happened was is some of those people wanted to follow God with us. And we're like, hey, wait a second. We didn't come here for that. We came here to help the poor folks. We didn't come here. And and so people wanted to follow Jesus. And we're like, well, what are we going to do with these people? You know? And this is kind of what happens to quite a few people that do this kind of work. All of a sudden, there's people that want to follow Jesus. And you don't know what to do with them. So like, hmm. And 
So God brought this Indian man into our life that helped us understand how to group people together and help them become followers of Jesus. So we started doing that, and I kind of got hooked on that. I was like, hey, this is fun. So we just started helping people do that too. And it led into helping people start multiple churches that multiply within themselves, you know, within unreached people groups. Most of these people are all Hindus and some Muslim. So we ended up working with Muslims and Hindus in India. And then uh, after that, we ended up in the Turkish Republic of Cyprus. And everybody knows where that is, right? Big old place. I never heard of it until my wife showed it in a book. She was like, I feel like God wants us to go here. And I'm like, where in the world? What is that? (laughs) Who are these? What? And, you know, I really felt led too. I was like, yeah, okay, we'll go do that. And we worked with this completely unreached group and started some groups and church over there. And then, uh, then we ended up going to Thailand where we did a lot of training, which is what I do a lot of stuff. I train people in community development work and in how to start cross-cultural fellowships, how to work cross-culturally, stuff like that. So that's the kind of stuff I, I do. We ended up moving to the United States. We felt like God was saying, I want you to go to the USA. And we were like, USA? <laughs> we work cross-culturally with people, you know? We don't want to go there. <clears throat> and God said, no, I want you to go to the United States. So he's like, okay, we'll end up in New York or, you know what I mean? Yeah. Somewhere where they got a lot of these people. And God said, go to Dallas. And he's like, Dallas? I don't want to go to the rodeo. I want, you know. So we ended up in Dallas about a year and nine months ago. And to our surprise, multitudes of ethnic peoples everywhere. I mean, it's packed out. You know, we're in north of Dallas, and there's tons and tons of Muslim people that live there. And we just love to connect with those kind of people. Uh, so these are the kind of things that we've been working on. Uh, how to? We have some coworkers there that came from Egypt. And uh, we work uh, with churches helping people understand how to connect cross-culturally in their city, you know. And because there's actually churches, uh, there's a, a big church that found out we were in the city, and they called and said, can you come help us? It was a big old you know, three or 4,000 member mega church thing. And the pastors were like, hey, our people used to be in our community. Now our church literally is surrounded by Muslim and Hindu people, all the communities around us and we're like we don't even know how to talk to these people and they're all around us you know and so there's multiple places like that in dallas so this has kind of been part of our focus and we continue to work overseas now last when did i go to thailand or we went to thailand last in march we went to thailand and uh you guys actually helped us go you invested into that project with us and helped us go to uh do some work in thailand where we did some training and a consultation on cross-cultural church planning with workers from the region and had a great time. And what was cool is so, I mean, it was, that was just a week of our time where we're in this hotel and well, it's kind of like a hotel. I don't know what, I don't know what you would call it. Uh, you know, it was like uh, $15 a night. So, <laughs> you know, your imagination can go from there. And, uh, so we're in this place. It was huge. It'd probably hold a thousand people or so. And and we're there having our little thing. And they have this liaison. So she's a, probably about a 24, 25 year old Thai girl that speaks English and she's liaisoning between the hotel and our group. And so she's hanging out with us all week long, watching us. And at the last day, we have like communion with each other. And so after we do it, she comes up and she says, Hey, wh- what was that? That's like spiritual going on. And, and I started telling her in a, you know, how to communicate. I've learned how to communicate with people in a way that they could understand in their worldview, you know, in their Buddhist animistic worldview. And so I was beginning to tell her what it was. And she was like, wow, can I learn some more? So I got my buddy who spoke northern Thai dialect. And I said, explain this to her in her language, you know. And he started speaking that language. In about 15 minutes, she just broke down and started weeping. And, and we're like, what's going on? And he said she's crying because she said that she feels like she feels her dad is with her, who had died 10 years before. But she said, I, literally her words were, I feel like my dad's with me, 
but times 10. And she said, I don't know what it is. And my friend told her, said, this is your real dad, the one that made you and formed you. And she said, well, I want to be involved with whatever that is. What do I need to do? He told her, you just need to follow Jesus. You need to be baptized. She said, well, can I do it right now? So she's working at a hotel. And we said, I guess so. And she said, yeah, do it now. And so we just did it. We all just went together, and she got baptized, boom, and she said, yay, and she hugged everybody and said, I'm so happy. And then she said, okay, who's going to my house to tell all my family now? You know? So it was cool. You know, so that was like this instant group of people right there. And, uh, and I really appreciate that. You know, in, uh, in the third book of John, it's only one chapter, so verse 8, he said, we should support such men as these that we might be co-workers with the truth. You know what I mean? And this is how I view this kind of stuff that we all do together, you know, is, is guys like you, you know, hook up with guys like me, and we take our energies because greenback bills equate to sweat and our mind aches where you work, and you know what I mean, or something. <clears throat> you know, it's energy, and we put that energy together, and it comes out and produces something. You know what I mean? So that's what we did, and we get returns for those things. You know, God kind of returns. And so I, I'm, I'm excited I'm here just to tell you that, that we did something together. Isn't that cool? Yeah. We did something together. Yeah. Thank you, God. I know that there's not a clock in here. Because I don't wear watches, so. Mm. It's dangerous. Because <clears throat> I'm a storyteller. I don't know if you notice that. And uh, I can get going. Now the question is, well, maybe not the question. The thing I'm going to tell you, <laughs> all right, is how did this take place, you know? Because... I really didn't change a whole lot probably until 1997. I'd been in missions already for 10 years. And I'd been, you know, you think about missionaries. Yeah, missionaries are people that go tell people about Jesus, right? <clears throat> well, I was not that kind of guy. I was, like, freaked out about talking about Jesus to anybody. I didn't want to tell anybody anything. And I, was, I, was, I used to think, man, I hope I don't get caught, you know. I'm like a missionary guy, and I don't like to tell people about Jesus. <laughs> Y'all know what I mean? It's just normal stuff. Hey, who likes to go? Hey, let's all go out to the street right now. Tell everybody about Jesus. Let's go. Huh? I don't like doing it. You know what I mean? I don't want That's too freaky. Those people are going to think I'm crazy. I lost my mind, you know? Who wants to look like a crazy? Well, that's what, hey, that's what I used to feel like. I was like, man, I want to be some weirdo. You know, and, and I would be forced to do it sometimes just because of the situation I was in. And then I would meet up with people. So I, I was in New Orleans once, and I remember we was on the street, and I went and I was telling this guy, yeah, you know, Jesus loves you, brother, and whatever. And, and the guy says, I know because I'm the Holy Spirit. And I was like, <laughs> okay, God. I didn't want to run into these crazy guys. He was like, yes, I'm, I'm present all over the earth, and I heal people, and so this guy's telling, and I was like, okay, that's just the experience I needed, all right? Now, I'll never talk to anybody again. <laughs> so, you know, the, but something, you know, something actually happened to me. It was like a thing, you know? You ever had like an epiphany or something? All of a sudden... It's like, it's like a revelation or something about something in life or work or whatever. And you're like, oh, yeah, I got it, you know. That, that's kind of, that's what happened to me. And it was, it was out of a, a, a huge blunder that I, I had made. And because I, I love music, you know, and I, I was always, I was involved in like leading worship and playing music and having worship bands. And so I was like, I was going to India and, and, you know, I don't know if you're like me, but you get these ideas of grandeur. You know, everything's going to be, wow. You know, you're sitting back thinking, man, I'm going, I'm going over there, and all those heathens are going to get saved. Woo! 
You know what I mean? I just can't. And it's just like growing in my mind to something huge. And I'm going to take my guitar and I'm going to play it. And just the, the spirit's going to fall and everybody's just going to go, we want to know Jesus. You know? I was like, this is what's going to happen. And, and so I get over there and I love music. So I, I met up with these Indian guys. And they were all extremely Western, like Americanized young guys. And they're all musicians, Christian guys. And I was like, hey, we should play music. They were like, yeah, let's play music. So we're like, ding, 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 you know. And I got my South Louisiana bing, bong, bing on my guitar. And, and they're like, they always just seem happy, for some, you know. One thing I didn't know about Asian folks, Asian culture is, is, uh, you know, if you like about to walk over a cliff, if you think you're doing the right thing, they won't tell you because they're trying to be nice to you. <clears throat> so I was like, hey, we need to rent a place. We got to rent this place downtown and we're going to like play music and it's just going to rock the house. <laughs> and everybody's going to get saved. And they were like, oh, very good, brother Scotty. That's very good. Let's do it, okay? <laughs> and so I take all this money I gather and, you know, we get this place right in the middle of our little place where two million people are. And they don't have red lights, you know. They got circles. They just drive. And, hey, you know what's crazy? Is when you first start driving there, if you get lost, you can just go around in a circle. <laughs> I don't know how many times I just went around circles. Round and round and round. And I'm like, one of these days, I'll just, let me take this one. And I'll come back to the circle. That wasn't it. We try this. <laughs> so on the big circle, all right, right downtown, there's this big, huge room. You know, probably a little bit bigger than this whole place here. And it had two big doors right on the street on the circle. Most people don't drive, they walk. So you got like five jillion people walking around that circle every day. So we practiced up, ding, 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 ding. And we opened it up on a Friday night. Open, doors come open. And, you know, this back in 1997, 8, I don't know, I can't remember when it was. And we're playing, Lord, I lift your name on high. Bing, 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 bing. Lord, I love. You know, all the music coming out. People passing by. And I was just waiting. People to come on in. But nobody came in. Next Friday night, nobody came in. Next Friday night, nobody came in. So, you know, you're like, okay. Hmm, Lord, what's the problem here? Okay, I need to know. And so immediately you blame the devil, right? Because the devil's fault, right? Everything's the devil's fault. If it ain't going your way, so it's the devil. So I tell our crew, I say, the devil. It's the devil. We got to pray. Come on, we got to pray. So we're praying, break the power of the devil. Break the devil. And, And next week nobody came. Next week nobody I'm like, well, we done broke the power of the devil. (laughs) All right? So, what's the next step? Must be those hard-hearted heathens. And I'm serious. This is what, seriously, this is the path you take as a Christian person, right? Oh, those hard-hearted heathens, they don't want to receive the good news. So we start, I say, hey, crew, we got to pray. Lord, break the hearts of the heathen folks. You know, they don't come in. Nigga, we don't come in. I'm getting wore out. We just playing that stuff, and I feel foolish because nine million people passing by looking in there. Yeah. So the next thing, you know, you got to move on. It's not the devil's fault. If it's not the hard-hearted people's fault, then it must be the old-timey way. We King James Version, we'd say sin in the camp. That means my team must got some sin in their heart. Because I'm all right. I'm good. So I told, I said, guys, must be some sin in, in our lives or something. We got to repent. So we all, oh, God, forgive us for everything. <laughs> I'm sorry for whatever that was, and I'm even sorry for Aunt Lucille, whatever she did, and you know. We break all that. Nobody's coming in. 
And I'm getting wore out. And so one day, this Indian guy who played the piano, and he was becoming actually a good friend. His name was Joe. And I was complaining to him. We were putting up our stuff. And I was like, Joe, I'm getting tired. I don't know what the problem is. I don't know what's going on. And one day he said, Brother Scotty, I need to tell you something. You know, like that. I was like, what? Just go ahead and tell me. Brother Scotty, these people, they don't like your guitar playing. <laughs> so I was like, wait, 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 what? No, Brother Scotty, they don't like that guitar playing you do. And I was like in total shock, and I kind of stumbled out of the place. And I went home and I just said, <laughs> oh my God, why didn't you tell me this in advance? What happened to all my dreams? And finally I said, God, you mean it's my fault? My fault? I'm the one? You mean it wasn't the devil? It wasn't the hard-hearted heathen folks? It wasn't sin in the crew? And then, you know, God spoke something so crucial. It became the foundation of everything we've ever done since then. In this God-like, loving, still voice thing, you know. He said, Scotty, it's much easier for you to become like them than for you to try to make all of these people like you. I was like, is that biblical? <laughs> Wait a second. Doesn't everybody have to play like me? Sing like me? Stand up, sit down like me? Sit in chairs like me? Doesn't that have some spiritual value to it? And the Lord spoke to me and said, I want you to put your guitar away. And don't pick it up until I tell you to pick it up. And it was, I don't know if you know guitar players who've been playing guitar for a long time. And they got their baby. <laughs> My favorite guitar. It was hard. And God said, I want you to learn that language and learn how to play music. And I started taking lessons, percussion lessons, on these little things that go, you know. In Acts chapter 15. Yes, I am going to read from the Bible. Don't worry. I will read a Bible verse or three. I hope you don't mind. I'm going to read it off my print because I can print it big. And then my, I can pick it up a lot better. It says, In my judgment, therefore, Acts fifteen nineteen, We should not make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God. We should not make it difficult for the Gentiles turning to God. And I'm like, wait a second, what? It's supposed to be hard to follow Jesus. It's supposed to be, yeah, it's a heavy load to follow Jesus. What do you mean? I thought you'd pull, wait. We're not supposed, it's not supposed to be hard? I don't know. That's what James' brother Jesus was saying. I guess he knew a little bit of growing up with Jesus, you know. He must have knew something. He said we should not make it difficult. Now the thing is, we shouldn't make it difficult for the Gentiles. Now, here's a story that's going on. They got, the first church was Jewish, all right? So they had a Jewish way of following Jesus. So it's like, I mean, dang, okay. We got a big crew over here. Y'all going to be my Jews, all right? Y'all don't mind? Some of y'all might be, there you go, she's Jesus. She's all right. This is going to be my Gentiles. Yeah, oh, he's rough already. A little smaller group. And y'all just innocent bystanders. Right? <laughs> y'all ain't did nothing wrong. Y'all are okay. You're all right. 
<laughs> so it, he, you got this Jewish background church. So the thing is, is how they followed Jesus was Jewish in nature. The things that they did, the way that they lived, they still did a lot of Jewish stuff. So here Paul's like, <clears throat> uh, I'm bringing the gospel to the Gentiles. Now you have to understand who the Gentiles were. They weren't, it wasn't Leroy down the street, all right, who liked to drink a beer at nine every day. Hey! I told you Leroy was coming. <laughs> I like this door system you got here, Christmas. <laughs> See, now, and look where he sits. Right, right with the Gentiles. <laughs> the Gen- you have to understand, the Gentiles weren't just some unsaved folks. They were idol worshipers. They were people that made sacrifices to stone and wood and metal things, killed animals and shed blood. They had a completely different idea about the world and about spirituality. So in our, our heathen meter, well, I don't know. They're kind of heathen-y, you know what I mean? These Gentiles were like pegging the thing. Heathen, heathen, you know what I mean? Idol worshipers, bing, 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 bing. So they were as different from the Jews as you could possibly be. You know, because this is, this is what, in the Old Testament we read that God called them out of, said don't do that kind of stuff. So when they say we should not make it difficult for the Gentiles, they say we should not make it difficult for these idol-worshipping background, these Jewish, Jewish background, idol-worshipping background people, we should not make it difficult for those who want to turn to God. So he said here, it's my judgment, therefore we should not make it difficult for them. Instead, we should write to them and say, don't eat food polluted by idols. Uh, don't do sexual immoral things. Don't eat meat strangled by animals. Don't eat blood. Now, the question, they gave four things. They didn't even talk about the main issues that they actually went to talk about which we didn't read any of it, and that's okay. Just take my word for it. They didn't even talk about that. But they said these four things. Now, it's a good question. You want to ask this, all right? Don't eat food sacrificed to idols. And just think about it. Is that a sin? Is it a sin? Oh, we got, hey, we got, he's not a sin. Just think about it. Is it a sin to eat food sacrificed to idols? Some people, some people are like, well, I don't know. I don't know about that, all that idol, killing animal things and stuff, you know. <clears throat> is it a sin to live sexually immoral? Well, wait a second. Wait, 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 wait. Why do they have this thing that you're not sure about, and then, then they have this thing that you're sure about? Hmm? What about eating strangled animals? Hey, you know you're hungry if you go out in the woods and strangle an animal? <laughs> huh? You know, you lost him in the woods. You sneak up on that squirrel. You say, you finna die. <laughs> kill it. Kill it. And then you think, oh, no, I can't eat it. <laughs> I'll just starve to death. <laughs> because God said, don't eat it. <laughs> Is it a sin? Or from eating blood. Hey, uh, Leroy number two. <laughs> Howdy, folks. How y'all? Chris, I love this door deal. This is the greatest thing. <laughs> Welcome, wonderful people. <laughs> so is it, you know, if you're out in the woods and you're starving to death and you kill some animal with your hands, is that a sin to eat it? A sin. Is God going to say, oh, you've broken the law now. Woo! Psh, psh. Get away from me. I never knew you, strangler of animals. Now, understand this. See, you got these two groups of people, right? The idol-worshiping background and Jewish background. And 21, it says, For the law of Moses has been preached in every city. And so what he's trying to do is he's trying to be nice. He's saying, okay, y'all got some sex issues, all right? Lay off the, the bad sex stuff. Okay? And because there's a lot of Jewish folks around in the cities... Could you at least, this is my, you know, 
interpretation. So all of these things are my opinion. Let me put that out. Okay. <clears throat> Can you at, at least try not to eat food sacrifice idols? And, and don't, I don't know, maybe they were out strangling animals, eating them. I don't know. Maybe they didn't have like a spear. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe they didn't. He said, try to get some spears. All right. <laughs> don't choke the deer. Okay. And for y'all Cajuns, stay away from the blood. We'd all be going to hell, baby. We'd be in trouble down South Louisiana. As you see, obviously, we're talking about a logic. Obviously, there was an issue, and he he brought that out. But there was other things, and he's just trying to be nice to these folks. But he did not want to make it difficult for the people either. So, in verse 28. Now, this is where they took the letter that they wrote and brought it back to these Gentile people to set them free from all of this stuff. And it says, it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and us not to burden you. Burden you with anything beyond the following. Now, this is what, hey, Christmas, come here for a second. Christmas got to help me out. Uh, boo. Christmas, stand right here. Stand. Yeah. Now, Christmas is, you know, telling me all about Jesus. Thank you so much. Yes. Yes. And now he's going to say, okay, this is what you have to do to be a follower of Jesus. And he's telling me. And now he's going to. Help me be a Christian. So jump and get on my back right now. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, man, I love following Jesus. <laughs> this is great. <laughs> okay, okay. I don't want to follow Jesus no more. Get off. <laughs> I can't follow Jesus no more. You're killing me, man. Hi. Me and my, my buddy in Thailand, uh, we went up to we went up to a city in the north, and some of our coworkers asked us to come and help them understand some of the issues they were having with new believers. So they took us to this groovy coffee shop in town where this young couple had this uh, business, and they told us, said, yeah, these guys have been following Jesus for about six months, but we can't get them to go to church. Uh, we tell them, go to church, they just won't go. It's almost like they hate it, but we don't understand why, because they won't tell us. So they said, can you go see him? And we said, sure, we'll go see him. And so we sit down at a table. It's me and Ben. Ben's a Samoan guy. So it's me and Ben and this couple. And Ben, who's great, I mean, he's this young dude, maybe 30 years old, and he speaks fluent in the northern Thai dialect, understands their worldview, and he begins to talk to them. And he gets to the thing, he said, so they tell me you don't want to go to church. And this is a Thai church with Thai people. But it looks just like the church I grew up in, which is a Southern Baptist church in Pumpkin Center. Looks just like that. And they, you know, he's trying to get this information. He said, yeah, I heard you don't, yeah, you don't. And finally the guy said, well, I hate going there. And he said, it's just too weird. It's weird. And, and he said, yeah, and these people, they're trying to get us to get our friends to go there. And we don't like going there. Why in the world are we going to bring our friends over there? I'm not bringing anybody there. I don't like it. And so Ben answered, well, what is it that you don't like? And this is what he said. He said, because of the, and there's a word for this, all right? I have to say it in Thai, farang piti, farang piti, which means foreigner rituals, foreigner rituals. Man, I was in school. I was like, hey, what is that about? He said, foreigner rituals. He said, oh, like what rituals? 
Well, you go in, and they're all sitting on benches. That's a strange ritual. That's a weird piti. Then they start playing a piano and a guitar. That's weird. That is weird. Then everybody stands up. And they start singing these songs together. And he said, that's a weird ritual. And then, then he said, it even gets weirder. Because sometimes some of them put their hands up in the air. And we're like, what in the heck are these people doing? They, you know. And he said, it's so full of foreigner rituals. It has nothing to do with us as Thai people. And then he asked my friend, he said, he said, are there any followers of Jesus that have Thai rituals that look like us? He said, you know, if they did, because I really like Jesus and I like to follow Jesus, but I can't do that stuff. If they had something like me, I would bring my friends. But I'm not bringing them over there where those people sit on benches and stand up and down and put their hands in the air. That's like weird. That has nothing to do with spirituality to me. So we're sitting at his table. I'm facing the kitchen. And there's workers back there working in the kitchen, making coffee and all this stuff. So my friend Ben, he says, well, can I pray with you? He said, yes, please. So Ben does Thai style. He does it like the monks do. He prays their style, but with our creator in Jesus language. And so he puts his hands together like this. And he said, like that, which sounds weird to us. You'd be like, man, that's freaky. You know what I mean? That's from the devil. That's from the devil. Why? Because it doesn't look like me. That's why. Mm. But I'm telling you, man, as soon as he did that, sings which means thank you, holy of holies above all the universe, which is a language that they use. They actually use those words. Uh, these people, these northern Thai workers who were Buddhist, animists, they, I'm, I'm telling you, it was so quick. They heard that sound and they, they jumped and turned and ran to where we were and did like this. They're not even Christians. They don't follow Jesus. But because it was what they were familiar with, you know, it was them. It didn't belong to some foreigner. It was their stuff. And they were just like, bam, right there, praying. And our friends were in shock because they said, we pray all the time and nobody ever does anything. And it's because they're praying like this. Oh, Jesus, thank you for, you know, which we can do. It's all right. But they just run around and keep doing whatever they're doing because it's not, it doesn't click anything for them. But Kapunka sings, I said, Hansa Konalok clicks and they run. Because it wasn't a burden to them, we made it easy for the Gentiles who are turning to God. Huh? And not this huge weight. Now, okay. So that's way across the seas, right? Well, that don't have anything to do with us over here in the United States of America because we're all the same. (laughs) Yes. Everybody's like me around here. Well... Sorry, but it's not like that. These principles are for all of us. You know, one of my favorite scriptures of Paul out of 1 Corinthians chapter 9. is Start at verse 19, 919. And he says, though I am free and belong to no man, I make myself a slave to everyone to win as many people as possible. And you're like, what in the heck does that mean? Hmm? To the Jews, I became like the Jews. Paul can hang with the Jewish people. 
He could be just like them. I mean, he came out of them. That was easy for them. That's like me going to Pumpkin Center and going down to the church I grew up in. I could just go in there and be with him, you know, and sing, At the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light. And it feels good. And I'm like, hey, this is like my home stuff. He said to because they live by the law, he said, I do this so I could win those who are under the law. Now, listen, to those not having the law, now he's talking about the extreme opposite, which is the people that are totally different than the Jews, totally different than him. See? He wasn't raised like that. That wasn't his thing. He said, but to those not having the law, I became like one not having the law, though I'm not free from God's law, but under Christ's law, which is what? Love. To the weak, I became like the weak to win the weak. I've become all things to all people that by all possible means I might save some. To do this all for the sake of the gospel that I may share in its blessings. Now, all of this stuff applies to us because we're followers of Jesus, right? That's what we claim to be. Then how does this apply to me? I don't live over in wherever. But there are multiple social groups all around us. You know, in the United States, only 40% of the population say they would have anything to do with going to church. 40%. And that's actually a big group in the world today. You know, Australia is 10%. 90% of the people are like, I don't want anything to do with it. So 60% of the people don't want anything. I mean, literally, do not want anything to do with church stuff. The main reason is is because they don't feel like they fit in. It, it just doesn't, it's not like going to happen with me. You know, I can dig it. I can sit, I can do all this stuff. So the question is, for us as followers of Jesus, how do we begin to reach across these boundaries so that we might touch people with their creator's good news about them to bring freedom to them? And what we do is we begin to examine and say, what is it that I do that could be a heavy weight, like a big crispin on their back? Huh? Now, who wants to say, yeah, come on and get saved. Here you go. Here's a Crispin. Bing. <laughs> yeah. Crispin's a nice guy, but, you know, he's slightly heavy duty. <laughs> slightly. Slightly, I'm saying. But this is God's heart for us. It's God's heart for his people. That we might be able to, at some level, take on that. How many people do we work with that we're afraid to share the gospel with? And see, this is the thing. You know, Paul didn't go with, like, a whole bunch of list of things to say. He, if you read Acts chapter 17, you see that Paul went to places and studied the people and what they thought. And what he did was he would find where God was working in their hearts already and connect on that level with them. That changed how I felt when I was like, hey, I don't have to act like this or that, and I don't have to be this or that. I can be something that they can relate with. What? I mean, I don't have to look like a weirdo to them? No. I can go to connect with people and talk, ask questions, see where God is at work in their life already. Because all people on the earth are created in God's image and in his likeness. In Ecclesiastes chapter 3, it says that eternity has been inscribed on the hearts of all people. So within every human being, no matter who it is, if it's Leroy at the bar down the street that drinks every day, there is a God part of him that's inscribed. And that something's going on there, you know. And we can find that and communicate with him on that level. We're like detectives looking for what God's doing. But the thing that happens is, is like Paul, 
the first person to change is not them, which is what I used to always think. It's actually me. Salvation of the heathen starts with my personal transformation. I change. I become like them. I become an alcoholic? No. But I become something that they can relate to. Not some kind of freaky thing that they don't, can't even, I don't think I could ever be that, you know. And God calls all of us as his crew into some level of these types of relationships with people. Because if we're out in the workforce or in school and we meet people and we're shoulder to shoulder with people every day, we don't have to carry that weight of, okay, I need to know the four spiritual laws and tell them, you know. But I can actually get to know them as a person and find where God is in their life on some level. Isn't that cool? I mean, this is like, it's an... We look at it then as an opportunity, not as a weight upon us of some regulation from God that I had to fulfill. That's not what Jesus was about. He came and said, broke all those regulations and said, now let's live by love and transformation. And this is where we are today. Isn't that great? Doesn't that just feel freeing? Hey. I don't have to carry this thing around. I don't have to memorize all this stuff. I just have to be me, who I am, and understand people where they are and learn how to communicate with them on that level. It's not that difficult. And that's what happened to me. I began to change myself. And then I was able to connect with people, and everything changed at that point. I was like, I began to say, oh, hey, this is kind of cool. This is fun. I can't wait to go talk to somebody else. You know, people look at me and I'm always like at the mosque or at the Hindu temples and stuff in Dallas. And people are like, man, what you doing over there? You know, that's kind of, I'm like, well, there's, I, I like those people. I dig those people. I like hanging out with them. We have really good conversations. And it's because I lost that fear because of all of this. Because I used to feel like I had this big brick I was going to go throw on them. And now I don't have a brick. I actually have this wonderful thing. That this is what God has for every single one of us. It's just that there's been things that we have learned that are not absolutely true. Just like that Jewish background people had. It wasn't absolutely true. But Paul learned something. He learned how to transform himself to become like people. Amen? Let's pray. Well, God, thank you so much for the opportunity we have to like rub shoulders with people and be with people. And thank you for the freedom that we don't have to force people into something. But we could just be who you are, created in your image, and connect with people. Help us, Lord, to look at people and find where you are moving already, what you've done in their heart, and how you're coming out, and connect with that. And I pray for these guys that they would definitely multiply among that 60%. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you very much. I appreciate you guys letting me come in and hang out with y'all.